Hey guys, welcome to another TGS podcast. We've got Andrew on today, a farm and slaughterhouse inspector. He's going to talk us through slaughterhouses, what they're like inside, some of the misconceptions. Also going to talk us about worldwide farming and the UK's import of meat. And finally, we're going to talk about the moralistic difference between farmed meat and hunted meat, and if there is any distinction there. Enjoy. How you doing? You all right? I'm doing very well indeed, thank you. How's Despite that we're locked down. How, uh, is that a large change to your life, I presume? No, not really. It just <laughs> means, I'm not, it means I'm not going out to work. I, I'm, I'm starting some um, remote working as of tomorrow, which will be interesting. So can you introduce what you do, please? I am an animal welfare inspector, and my job is as part of a team of a dozen or 15 of us. We travel to suppliers into the UK food chain, specifically to a large supermarket, um, and audit farms, hatcheries, slaughterhouses against their standard. And their standard is pretty exacting, and it's one that's held by, yeah, I think it'd be fair to say most of the rest of the UK um, retailers as the one. I mean, it's, it's up there. Okay, so there, is there a standard bar that everyone has to work to legally and everyone just adds stuff on top of that or how does it work? The main requirement of um, the purchasing departments of the retailers is that their producers have red tractor status, which is a national um, standard for farm management and includes an element of animal welfare in that the inspectors tour the farm and ask questions and look at uh, medicine record books and just generally get a feel for whether the farm is properly managed. Is red tractor sufficient? I mean, this is probably a bit ahead of ourselves here, but you, you wrote it up. Is red, red tractor sufficient, do you think? Well, that's a question, isn't it? Um, I inspect to a um, higher standard red tractor, but red tractor farms generally are well run and it's 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 a useful useful label. It means that somebody's looking and watching to see what people are doing, which is better than particularly nothing. with regard to things like food safety and, and animal welfare, which are which are always the key drivers. Right. So there's two things I'd like to talk to you about today. Uh, first is slaughterhouses. Yeah. Uh, we, as a hunter community at least, hold ourselves in a slightly higher regard than slaughterhouses, and I'm interested to ask questions and sort of reveal to the world a little bit more about that, about how it works and how positive or negative or how clean and humane they are. And the second is that I know that you used to go over the world inspecting farms in other countries, and I'd like to yeah. ask the differences between the way that we do it in the UK and the rest of the world, given the current climate and thoughts about uh, foreign food manufacture. So, let's wow. kick off. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. Uh, as someone who's been to farms across the world, you will have more yeah. insight into this than many others who have just been to farms in their own countries. Okay. So, to start with, how does a slaughterhouse work? A slaughterhouse works by taking in animals under contract from uh, known suppliers, and the majority of those suppliers, if not exclusively those suppliers to the larger slaughterhouses, which is the ones I've been to, um, are red tractor approved at very least. And there's also the RSPCA standard out there, which is, is also quite widely um, expected, shall we say. Um, they then keep the animals for a varying amount of time, very few overnight, but mostly within two or three hours, the animal's on a hook. Oh, they, very quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You really don't want animals hot. hot. Um, you need them to settle down from the transport and kind of calm down because transport's quite a, a high stress or can be a high stress environment. And then you have the handling coming down off the lorries into the pens. You leave them in the pens for however long. Um, let's say it depends on what's the, the, rate, the rate of throughput of the, of the abattoir and also the species. Um, and then you stun them and kill them. The killing is actually the, the cutting of the throat or uh, through um, a gas system through uh, carbon dioxide. So that's uh, the main way. Is there a vet on hand at all times during this or what inspections are in place? Absolutely, there's a vet in, in, in place all the time. 
um, watching animals come off uh, and watching animals moving through the, the layerage area. Um, and then there are numerous vets and uh, meat hygiene people on the actual line after the animal's dead. So yes, they're well vetted up. And, and the thing I'd have to say straight away is that slaughterhouses, particularly the large ones, again, I've been mostly in the larger com com um, commercial ones, they are amongst the most audited organizations out there. They expect, well, and they'd have one a week from somebody coming to check out that they are doing the job as they should be according to their own standards and according to the standards around them. So they, they have to have um, a British Retail Consortium um, uh, standard that's been applied and, and passed and that gets updated annually. And um, it's quite a tough two day audit where they look at everything, everything, mostly with regard to food safety. So they're looking at uh, the cleanliness of the operation, how it's cleaned down, and they're looking at things like how the, uh, but they, they, watch the, they watch the people that are doing the job to make sure they're clean, you know, and, and stick into the rules. And the rules are many, and the rules are um, in lots of languages as well in the large slaughterhouses. Um, but I, I've always felt, yeah, felt there's a, a real degree of control and a real degree of, believing they're doing the job right and most of them well all the ones i've been to have been any non-conformances to standard i've found uh, with only a couple of exceptions have, have been procedural documents not being up to date that kind of thing but haven't had anything to do with the way that people operate the people on the killing floor are yeah to, to a man in my experience and my experience is four years of going around avatars to a man very very good at what they do and um there's no messing about the job is done as the sh job should be done and an animal animals you know when an animal goes up to a up to a, a killing for it has no i they have no concept of death yeah they don't know what they're going into it's 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 not like us where we, we you've got to be very careful not to anthropomorphize yeah they're, yeah. they're not pig-shaped humans or chicken-shaped humans they're, they are pigs and chickens and they've got not a clue of what what awaits them and that's that's it and they're, they're going they're it's in the avatar's best interest and our best interest that they're kept as calm and cool as possible and they are layerage is <laughs> layerage staff are the coolest people the yeah. coolest people because you, you know you, you hear very little human noise in an abattoir and if it's run properly and they mostly are um the animals you don't hear much of either this is a very yeah. cool calm is it quite a somber environment one assumes no, no it's not somber it's quiet um it's quiet you hear the odd grunt and squawk and moo and that kind of thing but it is in everybody's best interest that everybody's kept calm cool and collected and therefore people that work in in abattoir layerages are <laughs> real, really laid back and you you get the impression that nothing will phase them and if something goes wrong there's no great panic things are just sorted out and um, as i said being watched by vets there are a load of systems to make sure things are recorded properly because the other thing that they're responsible for of course is that, that what's in a packet came from a particular farm so um traceability is really important in what they do as well so you know when a pig is killed you know which pig or when a chicken is killed you know which chicken where it came from and uh, and all that kind of stuff and you're always recording so dead on arrival or unfit for transport or um just broken um transport modules things like that all that all is recorded all is recorded it's humane i presume that's a, that's a strange question it's it is a humane environment oh absolutely no 100 percent. it can't afford not to be um there were back in back in the day shall we say i don't know 10 15 20 years plus and the last one i heard of was about 10 years ago um there are instances where cruelty has happened and has been recorded um, and those are the kind of instances that people remember 
unfortunately, and then that gets attached to the industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all, all of them are cruel. All of them just couldn't it's care. It's one that. unfortunate case out of, I, I presume, what sort of volume are these guys working on? It depends on the slaughterhouse. The largest one I've been to with regard to pigs does 100,000 a week. So the, the one, it's staggering, isn't it, when you say it like yeah. that, actually? Yeah. Um, well, think about the chicken industry. I mean, there's, there's a, a hatchery up in, uh, up in the North Midlands there that hatches 2 million a week. Yeah. And the numbers are incredible. And then, therefore, if, if you're in a chicken slaughterhouse, the volumes going through there are just immense, immense. And they, they are all stunned and gassed with chickens, I presume. Just there were two ways, two ways of doing chickens, but certainly the contract, to the, or the, well, the standard I was uh, um, inspecting to, they expect the chickens to be, to be carbon dioxide uh, stunned which means they go through a, a tunnel, basically, in the box in which they arrived with their mates. Um, the transport's really key as well in, in the chicken industry because the, the birds are all put into a, a large plastic bird carrier, basically, and you'll have, well, depending on the size of the chicken, you'll have 15, 16, 17 birds in one of those, and they come off the lorry um, in, a, in a module, by forklift they're then put in either straight onto the line which is basically the, the the conveyor that takes them to the gas stunner and they're either tipped onto a belt or they're put in their uh, in their crate and you'd understand the whole concept of a bird crate because i guess that's how you put a few of them yeah yeah um and then the crate goes through and i can't remember it's, it's four or five minutes the cycle yeah, something like that, and they go from uh, into an increasingly carbon dioxide-rich environment until they fall asleep and die. They fall asleep and die, yeah. And and it really, if that's done properly, it's very little flapping or anything like that. And you, the, the units, they've got little windows on the side you can look in and see the states of the birds as they're going along. And it's, yeah, it. We're not birds. We don't know what. Or how they're feeling or any of that kind of stuff, but they're certainly not great panic reactions. And the meat that's coming out the other end, excuse me if you're a vegetarian watching this, but meat comes out the end and, and is dependent on them having been treated properly. I suppose on, on that note, do you feel, is it, how do you feel when you see that going on? I mean, it's quite an emotional experience or not at all? No, it would only be emotional if there was, if there was cruelty involved and then, you, you know, I've only been on on, on two instances, I say, out of lots and lots and lots that I've been to around the world and seen unnecessary practice. And in both cases, it's led to um, somebody losing their job. So the, the comeuppance for any potential cruelty is oh, you lose you lose your slaughter license, you get sacked. And yeah, it's, these it's, guys are all completely these guys are all licenses licensed and trained individuals. Absolutely, uh, on the killing floor, they're licensed. They have a certificate of uh, of competence that's issued by the government. Um, in the layerage. Well, it depends on the organisation. Some, they have a, a team that floats around from the uh, point of entry to um, to bleeding. And others, they've got distinct staff on one and others on the others. But no, training is something that we're looking at all the time as well. And it's, it, it, as I said before, it's so well policed, controlled. It, when we go into store trousers, and I mean, it would be the case with most inspections, we go... Un, un, uninvited we just turn up and they have to be ready when we turn up to open the doors completely and we look everywhere and at everything we don't record because that would be not right um it's their it's their business at the end of the day and you're not you're not out there advertising what you're doing you are there looking at what they're doing and checking they're doing it correctly decently um but no, they, they, every week they'll have somebody turn up from some organisation, some customer, um, some part of the government to say, right, doing an unannounced inspection of this and the other, be right. it food safety, be it animal welfare, be it the whole system. And our particular inspections look at the whole system with animal welfare as the key. So we'll spend more time in the areas than we would in the rest of the place, but we're interested in how the animal is treated to point of death 
So for example, they come out of, uh, I'm thinking pigs, because that's how my mind works. They come out of uh, the carbon dioxide machine in which, they are, in which they've been stunned in a group. Um, and then they have a certain amount of time, it's 90 seconds on, on, some, uh, on some standards before their throat is cut in case they wake up, which they, they don't, they're dead when they come out. No, it's, it's decent, it's decent. I, I, it hasn't affected it, the way you consume meat at all? What it has done actually, if I'm gonna be honest, it means that I am now shopping at that particular retailer, which I would never, ever, ever have done before I started the job because I had not realized that their level of, uh, of control, their level of um, understanding and monitoring of what was going on in their supply chain was as good as it is and it is excellent okay so yes it changed me to that effect that, that, that i now have a greater no sorry i now have some respect for that organization and shop there regularly and previously well as as you probably will remember um i would have nothing to do with them yeah and i can uh, that, I, I remember when you said the first time when I spoke about it that I found it absolutely shocking that you work for them in, the, in any regard anyway. Um, yeah, well, as okay. I say, it's, it's, full, it's full of, this the other lovely thing about the industry is, is that, yeah, it's full of decent people, people who care about what they're doing, who care about what they're doing it with. So people working on farms globally, I have found to be really really nice people to work with it's a superb industry to be part of so before we get off of slaughterhouses um because i think well you've covered every question that i i wanted unless anything else you want to say was is is there a difference in slaughterhouse between a halal slaughterhouse and a non-halal slaughterhouse and have you been to both or are they the same um they're generally the same um obviously pigs aren't <laughs> which you'll, you'll appreciate but you no, know, chickens chickens beef and lamb um, the majority of chickens in this country and the majority of lambs generally are halal slaughtered. That is to say that the slaughterman is halal trained, qualified, whatever, but he does exactly the same job as anybody else. The animal has been stunned and he releases it with its blood. Um, so it's, it's pure propaganda that anyone says that it's extra cruel or anything like this? If they were strictly, uh, if they were operating strictly to the Quran as the uh, kosher guys do to the um, the Bible, um, it would be utterly disgusting because the animal isn't allowed to be stunned; it's just meant to be bled. Yeah, but I've seen it happen a few times. It's there are there are a lot of uh, a lot of um, halal bodies out there. And one of the places I've been to in Ireland, their halal body is their local halal is very specific to their town um, and honestly you wouldn't you there, there will be no difference it's just that the slaughterman has to be a muslim and say some prayers or something with every slash of his knife again you, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know so i actually had this discussion with, with somebody at work a few weeks ago about halal and this perception that it's all horrible and scary but actually the animal is insensible when its throat is cut it's the same procedure regardless but yeah they're using a knife to yeah. cut the throat whereas they would have done anyway lambs lambs are stunned uh with an electric shock and straight away i mean within two seconds the knife has been applied so it is it's it's stunned there is an organization called the humane slaughter association uh, and they monitor stuff and um train people and make sure that the whole process is just that humane. The other point I wanna make is regarding the treatment of the animals in layerage, because I don't think a lot of people have got this idea that it's sort of slaughterhouse five, kind of everybody's really scared, you know, death camp kind of stuff, where actually, if you go into a, a layerage, everybody's cool calm and collected if animals are waiting a while and they've got bedding or a dry floor or or rubber mats or something to keep it them is, calm, it's super clean as well i presume as well. oh blooming that yes it is yes it is because when the animal walks through uh to uh stunning and then onto the actual slaughter line you don't want the carcasses dirty 
well, or rather the body's dirty so that the carcasses has a possibility to become that way. Food safety is, is fundamental to the whole operation, fundamental. So, you know, you, if you've got um, dirty cattle, for example, going in, which is probably the species you most like to get dirty going in, um, particularly uh, winter time of year, um, animals have to be clean. Yeah, so they, they would be clean in some way or, or left on straw for a bit longer or... Yeah, fascinating. So do you think that there's well, a morally superior way of doing it or do you think the way it's done is, is fine? It's an industry that is not sitting down and thinking we've got this right. They're always looking at new ways of doing things, um, new ways of stunning particularly, but the most efficient one they've got at the moment for pigs is carbon dioxide and for, for cattle is, is the bolt. Uh, for sheep would be the electric shock. Um, and for chickens would be um, uh, carbon dioxide, controlled atmosphere. But they could do it, for example, with argon or something like that. And then you've got problems with cost. Mm -hmm. So carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide is, is, the, is the preferred way of stunning. Do you think cats. people eat too much meat at all? Or do, do you think like, that the scale of it is too big? Do you think the world would benefit from less animal death? Or do you think there's nothing wrong with the way that we do it at the moment? That's an interestingly phrased question. You said less animal death. All right, maybe this is a better way of doing it. Do you think that people don't value meat enough? Given that everything you've said goes into this one chicken that someone's going to buy for three quid. Very probably. Um, I mean, you could say the whole thing about welfare generally. I mean, do people really give a monkeys about where it's come from, what, well, exactly. And then they're fed, they're fed images from very poorly run places, aren't they? Probably from 50 years ago in Russia or something like that. Exactly. I mean, I, I've... Like I said, I've only seen uh, cruelty or mismanagement twice in four years. Going One presumes that those off. cases were not radical, they were just slightly below the line. They were unnecessarily treating animals okay. with a level of um, great discomfort in, involved, shall we say, rather than physical pain or blood or anything like that, but you, you, you've got no right, I think, not to show respect to the animals when they're coming in and through the, uh, your organisation. And I, the, that's how they operate, I mean, that's just how they are. They are decently treating the animals with respect uh, in a system that works well, is kept well controlled, uh, well policed, and it is in their best interest that it were so. If you stress a pig, for example, before it, uh, it is slaughtered, the meat quality is affected by the release of adrenaline through the muscles. So you, you don't mistreat animals. It's just not in, in the case of beef, for example, you might have been the best part of three years raising that animal to the size and, and spec that the, the, the slaughterhouse needs to provide decently priced good meat. Um, you know, get to the end of three years and somebody kicks it hard and it's, you know, it, it's just not, not the case. Yeah, there's a, there's a bond of, of sort of trust and, and I hate to say, say love because it's the wrong word for it, but it's a type of love, I suppose, uh, between a farmer and their animals, isn't it? So it's a oh, respect level. Absolutely. That they don't, they don't hate the animals. They don't want not them, they're not willing not to die. And I think it's only for the slaughterhouse to, in which case, actually, let's move off this and quickly back to, do you have anything to do with home slaughter? What are your thoughts on that? Is there any difference between home slaughter and slaughterhouse slaughter apart from transport? Home slaughter um, is very, very limited in this country. You might do some of your own poultry, for example, but uh, you wouldn't have the facilities to do cows. I don't know if some people might do some sheep. I'm, I, again, I'm not, not wise uh, enough in the ways. Um, my experience is that I lived in the Falkland Islands back in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, and uh, our neighbours, well, with our neighbours, we kept two pigs and we fattened them up on uh, milk and geese. And um, when it came to slaughtering them, we had a blooming good day. And I don't think, uh, I don't think the animals, no, there was, you know, the animals came to the trough to, to eat when they were big enough and they were dispatched like that with a tutu um, and then 
it took us the whole day to, to sort them out, but they knew nothing about it. They weren't having a good feed, just as pigs in a commercial uh, situation would go with a bunch of their mates. Um, and there are, there are some studies that show in, in a state of some exhilaration towards the end. So, Did you know, for example, that the reason that on an aeroplane you're told to fit your own mask before somebody else's is because there is a phase in um, anoxia where you actually go through a, a period of um, exhilaration. Yeah, you can do anything. Hey, this is great, but actually you're dying. Um, so that's why you have to fit your own mask first. Because otherwise you'd be fitting somebody's mask and you'd be losing it. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Mm. So, worldwide farming and Britain's yep. buying of farmed animal meat and produce from other countries. Well, remembering that I have been working within a supply chain into a UK retailer, mm -hmm. the reason they go abroad at all is because of the volumes that are available in this country. So, chickens, they will only sell table birds that have been born and brought up in this country. All the chicken they get from overseas, um, in the case of that retailer, it's uh, Western Europe and Thailand, and was Brazil as well for a while. Um, all of that meat is, yeah, no, no whole birds. It would be, um, I suppose, crowns or the equivalent, but mostly um, breast fillets, some wings, some legs, but mostly processed uh, meat. I guess I would say, is it processed before it's brought in or...? Um, no, a lot of it comes as 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 fillets that have been deep frozen, or in the case of uh, well, deep frozen in some they've been. I remember in Brazil, the uh, the fillets that were coming in have been put into a, a broth with herbs and stuff in. But the idea being that they, that was some tax thing. So when they got to this country, the broth was all strained off and. Uh, there was no effect on the flavour of the meat, but then that meat would be processed for chicken masalas or nuggets or, or, nuggets or, or uh, sandwiches or whatever. So the, the reason that these places go overseas is purely and simply because we haven't got enough in this country. Beef and veal is, in this particular um, uh, retailer's case, is all British or Irish, but that's it. It doesn't go anywhere else. Um, as it should, obviously. As it should be. Well, we're, we're, we're growing enough. Um, sheep, obviously, there's a, um, a large... It's purely a supply and demand issue, other not a price-based issue. Exactly that. The pig industry... Not enough country, pig farmers in the UK. No, exactly that. We can't produce enough. It is as simple as that. So we go to places like Denmark, Germany, Holland to get pork, but we're not getting that. I'm getting back. Um, the, the backs that we don't have enough of, for example, or the legs we don't have enough of. Yeah. I mean, it just fascinates me that they wouldn't incentivize British farmers to produce more, or are we just not allowed to? We, we, we haven't got the room to. We, we are very good at grazing, and we use, we use what you all know from your particular sector, we, we, we graze a lot of beef and lamb. We do. And uh, whatever we produce is consumed in this country, or in the case of lamb, I think quite a bit is still exported into Western Europe, particularly France. No, it's, it's we just simply haven't got the room here, have we? How many of us are there now? 66, 67 million? I mean, million, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we haven't got the room. Having said that, of course, you go somewhere like uh, Holland, and uh, they've got farms all over the flipping place, you know, milk and chicken and pig. Um, but even there, um, there's an increasing movement in the urban population to uh, decrease smell and uh, possibility of pollution and things like that. So you go to farms in Holland and a lot of them have to have um, air cleaners on their, uh, on their buildings to actually divert the air through a pond of water or something so that the air coming out doesn't stink a pig because a lot of people live quite close to a pig farm. Yeah. Strange old world, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's always developing, isn't it? There's always something, uh, some new way of getting around a perceived problem. So I, I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough to go to Thailand to see uh, chicken farms there 
um, uh, to inspect chicken farms there to exactly the same standard as they're inspected in that this country. My question. They are run exactly the same to be able to import the meat. We're not buying yeah, substandard sub-welfare meat. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I went to one farm there that was uh, 2.3 million birds. <laughs> it, 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 it was huge. Huge. But the biosecurity there, you shower in, having been uh, disinfected with your foot, all your clothes on first, um, and shower and disinfect out as well. Uh, absolutely. And, and the workers live on site and it's, uh, yeah. Well, I guess with 2.3 million birds that are all going to be pretty much genetically identical, any affects one will kill every single one. Well, when you've got sort of 40, 45, 50,000 birds in one house, it goes through very quickly if it does happen. And also where they're um, very clearly controlled climate-wise, um, temperature, humidity, airflow, um, one thing goes wrong, they'll, they'll die. It, yes, it's, 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 and the other thing you should note about your birds is that they are now uh, table weight between 35 and 40 days old. Days, that's less than six weeks to be a bird on your table. It's quite fast. So the other thing to bear in mind is they're babies. I yeah. mean, I've, I've always found that the way that, I was about to say humans have abused the chicken. That's the wrong way of looking at it. That we, over the last hundred years, have changed a chicken from something that actually looked remarkably like a wild bird to what it is now, which is, I mean, a wonderful, fat, delicious thing. And I'm not knocking any of it because I like chicken. I think the rest of it, chicken is a delicious meat and it's very, very easy to grow. Yeah. Well, they grow quickly. Um, the level of control, as I say, over, over them has to be so tight I mean, to the point of knowing food, water, temperature, um, substrate, what they're living on, they're all so carefully controlled. So, I mean, not, not to put you on the spot or to, to make you uncomfortable in any way, because, I mean, obviously, as everyone has certain pol political allegiances we need to keep, but is there a certain level of welfare talking about chickens more than anything okay but you would say is more acceptable than others for example do you buy eggs from caged hens or would you not buy eggs from caged hens or do you feel probably having inspected caged hens that it is fine i will tell you right now that i have not inspected any um human consumption egg production i've only seen egg production for broiler production so i've been to breeder layers that are specifically for hatching chicks out of. Okay. Um, so I really don't know enough to have a view, but I do know that uh, cage production um, produces the cheapest eggs. Um, and if you want cheap eggs, that's a way of getting them. But also that it, it is- three P each. It's something ridiculous, but imagine how many fractions of a pence the farmer actually gets out of it. Yeah, it's a well because there's an awful lot of processing, packing, and transport, and all those good things that have to go on top. And um, farmers are generally on very small margins, um, and also expect to do the job to the very, very, very best standards. Um, so yes, I have eaten caged eggs, and uh, given that the level of inspection and control that is there, I. Don't there really is still too much of a problem with it to be honest i like a big egg of me double yolk special yeah yeah so I, I always prefer personally anything that says free range although i'm also aware that the word free range is abused when it comes to chickens somewhat well it just means it's got to have been outdoors for more than a percentage of its life after so many weeks that's all free range chicken is i've seen i've seen quite a few of those and uh you know, a bird's a bird. I'm not, I'm not going to the American rules of saying they're non-sentient, but it is a bird, remember. I mean, yes, they do feel pain, and yes, they no, do. It's a very different experience from what we have, though. I think a wise man once said to me, uh, the birds don't, well, we're pheasant shooting, and he goes, the birds don't care. I mean, they don't want to die, but they probably didn't want to live either. You know, they don't really have a concept of, they don't they sit don't there. Concept of death. And drink whiskey with their friends talking about the meaning of life. No, they don't. And, and you know, when, when the fox turns up and starts murdering them, and then they've got no idea what a fox is until it's got its head jaws around their neck or it's frightened them out of the pen. So we've got to be very, very careful um, with the way we understand 
an animal. Now, a pig is is up there. I mean, um, some of the intelligence tests that have been done on them put them equivalent of a two or three-year-old child in some ways. They can do the things like putting blocks into the right-shaped hole and all that kind of stuff. And if no, you've got a pig like the house, you need to put um, child catches on doors so they can't open them. Um, but no, I mean, they're, they're the closest to to some kind of um, that pig is having fun, like a dog, yeah. I think one has to remember that we are animals um, at all times and not get too tied up in it because we are animals and there is a food chain and there is a natural got this, chain. We? we got this that they haven't got, this level of development of, 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 um, of our brains. And we have an internal monologue vastly assessing that of any other creature on earth. Bar dolphins. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, 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 yes, I'll agree with you on that and we won't go any further down that way, I think. Yes. But yes, we're different. It's um, rather delightful, really. I quite enjoy talking to myself, my internal monologue. Um, so every place in the world that we buy meat from has the same level of inspection as the UK. If you're shopping in the major supermarkets, then yes. Interesting. So there is meat that can get into this country that does not have those standards potentially and there are smaller slaughterhouses that maybe are not um, th there are there are some places i wouldn't go to buy chicken or, or lamb that's incredible i don't necessarily know where that's come from or how it's been brought up and the the, the assurance you can have um with stuff that's labeled uh, red tractor or, or rspca is that it has been brought up in a properly monitored uh, situation. Um, just trying to think. Uh, yeah, an inspection is is only good, as good as what you see on the day of the inspection, isn't it? You don't actually know. And I quite often say this to farmers. You know, it's about now. This this is a snapshot in time, and we can only look at your records to see that you've got some. You know, that you are keeping those positive there's a long-term positive trend as opposed to a absolutely but you also get a part of the inspection process is 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 looking at the person understanding the person where they're coming from and seeing if if they if they really do care and the very vast majority do to the utmost care about what they're doing yeah yeah i mean one would hope so or else one perhaps shouldn't be a farmer um well, uh, yes, 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 yeah, um, and I think the level of education, that kind of thing, is also people uh, go into it, or they're properly trained before they go into it to understand. I, I personally don't think that a, a stockman, you can't train someone to be a stockman other than someone who's got the heart of a stockman. I went to a, a farm in Brazil to inspect some chickens. Uh, broiler, broiler chickens, so chickens with a table, yeah. and uh, walked around a shed, which I can't remember now, probably had 20,000 birds in it, um, with the farm manager, and he was practically talking to them as he walked around, you know, ever so gently walking through and keeping his eyes on everything all the time, just brilliant, and you just got a sense with him that every bird was important, out of the 20,000 that you were going through, um, and it was something about him, some some difficult to, to quantify but it's a certain kind of person that makes a good stock person and I think you're born with it you can develop it but I don't think you can take anybody and make them a stockman so uh, I asked him afterwards because he'd only been at the farm for three two crops or something like that so what that'd be 12 15 weeks something like that um, and he was a guy in his in his 50s I would say and I said to him and how have you been here just for for two or three crops or whatever it was and how, how can you be like that he said well i was a pig farmer for 20 years before this so that says to me not the pig bit but the fact that he's a stockman that's that's in his in his way of approaching the world so yeah I'd, I'd say to anybody that was um worried about this state of stock rearing in this country and into this country's food chains I wouldn't worry about it at all you've got to have another really good reason to want to be uh, vegetarian or very choosy about what you do eat um, other have than you, worrying about welfare 
Have you ever been to a slaughterhouse when there's been a demonstration on? Um, no, but I've been the day after in half a dozen cases. And one I went to down near Bristol, the, um, the guy on the gate, nice Welshman, he, he basically knows them so well that he'll, he'll have a cup of tea and a chat with them because they, they come along regularly and do their praying over the piggies as they go in and, and don't create any fuss. Um, so he's mates with them. And I went to another one again. I think, no, the other one was in Scotland where the production manager went out um, and talked to the guys that were doing the demonstrating and took them one by one into the uh, gatehouse to look at the CCTV footage. That's the other thing to say. They've all got to have CCTV now as well. So you, you can't get away with anything. Um, and I think the, the protesters had gone home by lunchtime because it wasn't what they expected. All the sheep were sitting there chewing the curtain, looking nice on straw, which is what they're always on in that particular place. They'd all been um, lied to, essentially, before they went. Misdirected. Because there is a, an opinion out there that it's all cruel and horrible and well, how could you do that? Killing, killing, killing. But it's done so well controlled and an animal hasn't got a clue and it's going up that final step that it's the final step. They're just curious to find out what's next. So I, I'm, I'm a, uh, an omnivore and will always have me in my diet and I will be careful of what cuts I eat in terms of flavour because that's another um, thing I would um, put against the pig industry particularly is I think they spent the last 30, 40 years breeding flavour out um, in, in, in return for faster growth rates and more piglets. Um, but yeah, if you're careful of which cuts you buy and where you buy them from, then yeah, eat meat. So my final question is, is you uh, mentioned earlier, and I think it's something that everyone who has any relationship with the countryside knows, is farmers get a pretty bum deal when it comes to money. Yep. Well, I don't know what you're getting for a pint of milk now, but it is pence by comparison to the money you spend for it on a shelf. Same with any produce. How do you support a farmer more? By British. Oh, by as simple as that. By local and by British. Yeah. And you can, I presume, just buying direct from a farm is your best option there. Yeah, if you can do that, then yes. There are farms now that have got, um, there's one, one down in Warwickshire that's got, um, it pasteurises its own milk and you buy milk out of a, a machine taking your own jug along and you pay pound fifty for a litre and that uh, farmer gets that. Which is Whereas normally he'd be getting what 27, 26, 22 pence, depending on quality and so on. Then normally, normally, uh, well, you know, actually at the moment there's milk being thrown away, but uh, the farmer generally is getting a little bit below what it's costing him to get there. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I hope this has been useful to somebody, anybody who was interested in of. Yeah, many of the moral people who think that hunting is better than farming. Can, can I take you up on that, Jonathan? I, yeah, of course. Can I just ask why people might think that hunting is better than farming? What, what, what's, what's the thinking? That the animals had a nice natural life? Or... Yes, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I've argued this out on, on both sort of things because it's very easy to say that, but actually I've, I've stayed in the woods for like two days at a time occasionally. And I'll tell you what that is. Much less Cold. nice than being inside. Outdoor pigs, outdoor pigs. I, I've been in situations where uh, an arc has blown past my ear, you know. I've been in situations where I've watched water freeze coming out of a, uh, a four-inch gate valve. It, it's horrible. I mean, you, it looks great for about uh, two weeks a year, outdoor pigs, but it's, it's not nice. So you would, you would say that farming, and I think there is an element to which farming allows a sweeter life for an animal. But I think oh, that yeah. hunters, hunters say that the animal is wild and free and can do what it wants, which I think is sometimes more romantic than practical. However, there is something perhaps more pleasant for many people that a deer, for example, has lived its entire life, doesn't know anything about anything apart from the fact that it's scared of dogs and humans because we don't live in a wild country, so they kind of do figure it out. It's sat there eating and grazing, and suddenly it's dead. Isn't that the same for farm animals? But strangely, apart from the transport, it's literally identical from what you said. It is, yeah, right. apart from the transport, and that, that's to do with ch supply chains. And um, okay, it's an interesting argument, but I'm not sure I can entirely buy into it. Right.
because because I, I would say, and you're right, apart from the transport, an animal doesn't know, does it? it, it does. And also, your, your pheasants, I know you're talking about deer and... Uh, I mean, I was about to move on to pheasants, yeah, but yeah, carry on. Pheasants, they're, they're reared in huge numbers and then uh, transported out somewhere and then progressively let out, I mean, as I understand it. Well, progressively wilded. Um, so, and I think uh, numbers depends on where you go. There are some very large units, and there's some very small units. Probably exactly, yes. exactly the same with chickens. You get some people who rear five thousand, and you get some people who rear a million, which is, yes. I would say, large numbers by pheasant standards, but not huge numbers by comparison to chicken. And then they are transported. Yes, in some cases, a very long distance. Probably exactly the same as chickens. And then they are put out into a pen, a large pen with high sides, where they learn to become wild. And then they are tended to as a wild id stock until the day that they are shot. Yeah. And they're not expecting that shot any more than the, the pig going, or the lamb going up to the tongs is expecting the, the, the I, electric shock. I would argue potentially that a outdoor sheep, an outdoor cow that is transported with minimal fuss to a slaughterhouse and killed is on a similar level, moralistically in life satisfaction to a deer, if not potentially more because it's brought in in the winter when it's freezing outside. Um, its mortality rates are much lower. It's less likely to get hit by a car or attacked by a dog, unless you're a sheep at the moment, which is pretty bad. Yeah. However, I do feel like a pheasant is morally superior and does lead a better life than a 45-day-old chicken, based purely on the fact that it lives five to ten to infinitely as long, which is, I mean, you've got to at least appreciate it having a slightly longer you're life. 35-day-old chicken, okay, maybe this is that, but your 35-day-old chicken has been fed since it was placed on the farm, a nutritious um diet that is appropriate to its uh, well its physiology its needs it's been offered fresh clean water in front of it all the time it's got you can't force it to drink it though because <laughs> um, we do uh, the, the pheasants are the same they get clean water but they'll usually drink out of a puddle but they, they do the, they, they say they're wild but they still have high nutrient food up until the point they're on just a wheat fed, a wheat fed diet they have water they have all of their needs met is there, yeah, well, that's, the, that's a big question. Is it, is it morally superior to make something live longer before you kill it than, than less long? Mm. I do think the ability for something to go outside and see sun and grass is superior to growing it inside its entire life. Um, Remember, these animals haven't really got a concept of time, have they? No, not, no. not really. So again, you've got to be careful, even when making an argument like that, that you're not thinking of yourself in the position of that. Yeah, well, can I find it more morally satisfactory then, as opposed to more morally right? I find it more satisfactory morally for myself. It tickles me more, and maybe it's just virtue signalling over anything actually quantitative. But isn't the tickle uh, actually to do with your perception of where you are? So spending a couple of days and nights out in the wood I mean, that's all about how you're sensing it and enjoying it and being able to uh, feed that back um, rather than necessarily um, about the animals that you've shot. It's about, it's about your enjoyment uh, perception of where you have been. We're talking about on a hunting scenario here. Well, I mean, I'd say that the, hunt, the hunting isn't necessarily... I have seen a couple of videos about getting pleasure from hunting. I do appreciate what you're saying. And yes, the chase is, is good and enjoyable, but it's just as much about being not within four walls or within a car or a train or whatever. It's about it's being, being allergic, yeah. enjoying the smells and the colours. And, you know, the human eye can distinguish more shades of the colour green than any other colour is because we're surrounded by greenery and we love being surrounded by greenery. So I'm not sure I'm not sure about the moral arguments or anything like that but uh, what I do know is that animals aren't expecting it when it comes um, and not anticipating like we do. Um, so there isn't that fear of death because they, it's just not they don't know about it it's not they don't have any 
any handed down wisdom about the fact uh, I mean, it's, it's in cartoons and in Babe and all that kind of stuff, but, but they're not. It's a film, yeah. It's a film. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't have that. They don't have, we have that, and what we then do is think about animals in terms of them thinking that. Little Bob out there barking in the background, he's got a lot of clue beyond his stomach and the fact that he shouldn't be weighing indoors. I mean, that's, that's about it for him. He wakes up every morning, it's a new morning. And he's a bit bigger. But he's not afraid of death. He might have a fear instinct when his, his auntie shows his teeth, her teeth at him or jumps on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a different organism. And unfortunately, we'll never... I say, I don't know if it's unfortunate. I don't... It might just be a human inquisitive thing there that actually we want to know what they feel like, but actually it would make a damn difference to our lives. If you live the life of a day of a dog, it would probably be just like living life as... I don't want to relate it to, to my kid. For example, he wakes up, it's another day, he lives his life, he goes to sleep. That, that's it. His brain isn't developed past that point where it's a, a you know, he's not at the neurotic point of his life like I have. Yeah, starting, starting worrying about tomorrow kind of thing. And, yeah. Yeah, an yeah, interesting discussion. It, it, I, I, I personally don't have a problem with hunting at all. I mean, it, it's, uh, but, but if it was attractive to me, then it would be about getting out onto the land and seeing different places. And yeah, there'll be a thrill in actually knocking something out of the sky, perhaps, um, which, because I've done it right. Um, and you don't with dinner. Day, it's, it's, as much, it's as much about the, 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 the little cup you have uh, at lunchtime or halfway through a shoot and having a chat. And, yeah? No, I'm, I'm in total agreement that we hunt for the experience rather than the kill, or most people do anyway. Um, I know a few people who are pure meat hunters who hunt purely for meat, which is completely fine, and they don't eat any farmed animals, which I think is... Good for them. Good great. for them. Would that we all weird dietary choices in, in this world. Like, some people don't even... I was reading a thing, and I really don't understand, but some vegans keep chickens, but they don't eat the eggs. Even though the chicken doesn't sit on them, they're not fertile because they won't put a cock in with them. And it's a very like I found it one of the strangest things ever um, that I've read multiple explanations of. But you're, apparently, you're not a true vegan if you eat the eggs of your chickens, even though they will go to waste. The chickens will stand on them, might eat some of them. They're happier for the chicken to eat the egg than they are to eat the egg themselves. Uh, very interesting. I don't understand. Mm. Yeah, different. Well, and like I said, we live in a wonderful world where you can do whatever the hell you like. Yep. And have, say whatever you like and do what you like. Um, and as part of that, long may it continue. Yeah. Enjoy your chickens, folks. All right. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you. And 